I feel like I want to express um, to you how rich this time um, has been for me personally. I even felt as we were having our prayer time just now, just the richness of Jesus in you that was strengthening and fulfilling God's presence in me. So I'm so grateful for you and so grateful for this opportunity to be with you and to seek the Lord together. Um, I, I would like to um, kind of start our time um, with a word of prayer and go from there to talking to you a little bit about the notes. So if you have these notes on Apostolic News, if you have them there, take them out. If you don't have them, that's okay. You don't have to rummage around or leave the room or anything like that. But if you have them, um, have them in front of you because we're going to talk about them for a minute or two. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you and we seek you mm -hmm. and we come to you. And we ask that you will come. We know that you're already here. We want you to come by invitation. We want you to come in fullness. Holy Spirit, we invoke your presence. Mm. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak to us, minister to us, give us insight. Holy Spirit, please, do not leave us in the darkness of understanding that comes as a result of our own sin and the sin all around us. Give us understanding that comes from you. That we might know the will of the Father and walk in his ways. Yes. Heavenly Father, we were created by you in your likeness. We were created to live in your presence. We long for your presence. Come, Father, and make yourself known to us. Mm -hmm. And teach us your ways. Even in this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now this afternoon, in this session we are thinking about the process of development of an apostolic leader. What does that process look like? And my intention was to teach from the notes on this. Um, and after the session yesterday, I just felt like somehow... Um, there was a change of gears. And this morning, I'd been kind of praying about this in the night, and this morning I was getting ready to step into the shower. Hannah said to me, when are you going to speak on inner healing as it relates to apostolic ministry? And I said to her, well, I'm not going to speak on that. So now I'm, now I'm talking to you about my, our marriage. <laughs> because as I got into the shower, I kind of heard, yes, you are. <laughs> so <laughs> she sits over there, you know, and says, 
gentle little white-haired lady. But let me tell you something. That's not the reality. She is white. <laughs> She'll speak to me when we get in that room. Um, so, so let me frame what I'm going to say on that subject by calling your attention to what's already in your notes and what's in your notes, the outline that's in your notes is also in Loving the Church, Blessing the Nations. And you'll see, I mean, it starts with identifying potential apostolic leaders. So the framework takes us through this uh, threesome, identifying potential apostolic leaders, developing apostolic leaders, and releasing apostolic leaders. And you can see that there are some characteristics that might indicate that a younger leader might be gifted in this way. And we go on from there to speak about character. We spoke a lot about that. And then from chapter 11, the process of developing apostolic leaders. And there is the uh, framework of Paul's development. Um, just one thing I will say on that. Um, is, you know, the, the, the process that's in these notes and that's in the book presupposes that there are spiritual fathers and mothers overseeing the process. Often that's not the case, unfortunately. So mature apostolic leaders or mature pastoral leaders, fathers and mothers in the faith, older leaders... It's critically important that they oversee the process and provide release and protection at the same time. So the process, in a nutshell, goes something like this. And it was said the other day, each case is unique, and that needs to be underlined. Each case is unique. So when we talk about a process, when we talk about principles, that's what we're talking about, principles, process, overview, not this is the way it happens with everybody. But there is, on the part of mature fathers and mothers, older leaders, a recognition that this young person might be gifted in this way. Then there is a, a release, and the release needs to come early. It's a mistake when we ask these people to wait 10 years. They need to be released early. But they need to be released within clearly defined boundaries. Because they can hurt themselves and they can hurt other people. So here are the boundaries. So, and the reason it's so important to release these people early is that's the only way they're going to develop. They need to be released. Don't tell them to just sit quiet for 10 years until they whatever. Release them but within boundaries. And then establish mentors who can mentor them, particularly in the mistakes they will make, because they will make a lot of mistakes. And that's got to be okay. As they mature, as the signs of the gifting or the fruit of the gifting becomes more and more evident, then the uh, arena into which they're being released can be broadened. That's a general principle right on through the maturing expression of apostolic leadership, as we mature, as we become more trustworthy, the Lord trusts us with more. You have been faithful in a few things, 
I will entrust you with more things. And that process of release within boundaries, fruit, extend the boundaries, fruit, extend the boundaries, with mentoring in the area not only of gifting but character, leads over time in the grace of God, in God's way and in God's time, to a more mature expression of the calling. Until we get to the point, and this is an awesomely, awesome, awesome thing to say this, we get to the point where God releases us into his world to do whatever we want to do. And you say, oh no, George, God can't release us to do whatever we want to do. God releases us to do what he wants us to do. But you see, in the mature expression, those two things have become the same thing. One of the most beautiful parts of the human being is the heart or the will. God created our will and he never violates that will. We are free to choose or not to choose. As we mature, we choose that which is like him. And we have proven ourselves worthy to be released into his world to be mature ambassadors of his kingdom. Now, I'm not going to say any more on that. Why? Because it's in the notes. And because there is a sense in my heart that we need to think for some time this afternoon on inner healing. And particularly how inner healing connects with apostolic ministry. Now, another thing I want to say to all of us is, you know, we've been talking a lot about this, and there's some of you that can relate to the SDS when we talk about apostolic ministry. I know that's me, and that others of you, you know, this is not you. And as we've said, that's fine. Praise the Lord that we have the whole body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were apostolic leaders, we would be in total chaos. Thank you, Jesus, that we're not all apostolically gifted. And obviously the issue of inner healing also applies to all of us. So I want to talk about inner healing, but we want to, as we go through this, make some reflections on how incredibly significant this is to those who are functioning in an apostolic role. So, here we go, George Style, six points. First point, sin wounds us. Sin wounds us. Our own sin wounds us. And the sin that is committed against us wounds us. We were created by God in his likeness. God doesn't have a body. God is spiritual. What do we mean by that? We mean God is not physical, he's spiritual. We are spiritual beings. We are embodied spiritual beings. We are created in God's image to be like him and to live with him. Those two things go together. If you're going to live with God, you have to be like God. 
You can't be unlike God and live with God. Parable, parable of the prodigal son. We went away. Our Father created us in his likeness to be with him, but we went away. Why did we go away? We were looking for a better life. We were looking for a life that's better than life with God. And as we went on this long journey looking for a life that's better than life with God, we did some serious damage to ourselves. So we are wounded people. We all are. We're wounded. We carry within our being the consequences of having gone away from our Father. You know, you ever drive behind a truck or a car, got a sign on the back, life is good. Life is a disaster. Life on this planet is a disaster. If we were to meet Adam and Eve right now, if somehow we could do that, if we could meet them before they fell, I wonder if we could even recognize them. I'm, I think we probably could, but we would see in them something that is so foundationally different than what we are. We are damaged. We have been wounded by sin. We carry within us the consequences of having gone away from the presence. Sin has wounded us. Now, some primary areas of our wounding some primary areas of our wounding. First of all, looking to others to meet our affirmation needs. Every human being has profound need for affirmation. That need is from our creation met by our Father. You see, we live in His presence moment by moment and moment by moment we hear him say George I love you and our affirmation needs are met no need affirmation from anybody else we've heard it from our father we hear it from him all the time but you see we went away we went away from that voice that says George I love you and so George has this huge need for affirmation. And my need for affirmation surfaced at least as early as the second grade. My father loved me. But he himself was wounded. My earthly father, he himself was severely wounded. And he really believed that the best for me was to never receive affirmation. He believed that the very best for me was whatever I did, he should tell me I should have done more. So I grew up always hearing, you should have done more. You should have done more. You should have run faster. You should have, if you got four A's and a B, you should have gotten five A's. Always. And so in the beginning of the second grade, my report card, almost every report card was, I was a very good student, George is a very good student. The only thing is he has behavioral problems. He shows off. 
You see, people who are wounded in the area of our affirmation, not getting our affirmation needs met, there is this drive to be the center of attention. And in order to get the center of attention, we show off. We do things and say things to draw attention to ourselves. That in me started in the second grade. It's an area of wounding. There is no human being that can meet your needs for affirmation. Hannah loves me dearly. She can't meet my need for affirmation. It's too great. My need is too great. I can't meet her need for affirmation as much as I love her. Looking to other people wounds us. Secondly, the inability to accept ourselves. The inability to accept ourselves. So we get this uh, kind of idea among Christians you know, I'm, I'm a worm, I'm nothing, I'm less than... I mean, all these expressions of contempt for ourselves. The inability to accept ourselves. The inability to accept our physical body. The inability to accept how we're gifted and how we're not gifted. That leads to jealousy of somebody else who's gifted the way we think we should be gifted. The inability to accept ourselves. Dishonoring of parents. We talked about that yesterday. The dishonoring of parents wounds us. Rebellion against our parents is rebellion against our Heavenly Father. It's rebellion against His authority. It wounds us. Anger, contempt, bitterness wound us. The sins of violence. Anger. Contempt, bitterness. And you say, George, what's this got to do with apostolic ministry? I grew up in a home where anger was normal. I mean, to be angry, it didn't, we didn't think anything of it. I mean, it's kind of normal. I remember my dad, uh, whenever he came home from work and the door closed, there was a tension. We never knew. And I grew up with that, thinking that was normal. And so into my adult life, I also carried anger and I vented whenever I wanted to vent. And I remember one time, this is clear, God was just beginning to get through to me. Hannah and I were in Poway, California. We had just come from the ships. We were spending a sabbatical year in, in Southern California. And we went out, you know, I was sitting in um, Shoney's with a cup of coffee, writing, and Hannah was shopping, and we agreed to be back at a certain time. And I was there at that time, Hannah wasn't there, five minutes more she wasn't there, ten minutes more she wasn't there. And when she came, I retaliated. And I didn't retaliate physically, but I retaliated emotionally. That's what bitterness is. Bitterness is taking retaliation into our own hands. We retaliate. And I knew exactly how to make Hannah feel very, very bad by my behavior, by what I said, by what I didn't say. So here I was, this big leader. Not big leader, midget leader, but leader. Christian leader. A lot of people thought I was a Christian leader, looked at me as a Christian leader. But I had so many areas in me 
that were immature because they were unhealed. And anger and bitterness were alive and well in me. And by this time, I was in my early 40s. The victim role. The victim role. As we deal with people, we learn how to listen to the victim role. It's the woe is me. Somebody has done bad to me, woe is me. So, let me tell you. You are not a victim. You say, well, George, you don't, you don't know what's happened to me. That's right, I don't know what's happened to you, but I do know this. You have a heavenly father. And your heavenly father is all-powerful. He's all-wise. He's sovereign. And he knows what to protect you from and what to allow to happen for purposes ultimately understood only by him. And you and I are not victims. We are not victims. We have to learn how to go to our heavenly father with that which has hurt us and wounded us and receive his affirmation, his forgiveness. And if we go into leadership in a victim, victimized state, we will remain in immaturity. Another area of uh, wounding, the inability to forgive. The inability to forgive and the inability to receive forgiveness. Now here's a key thing about forgiveness. The ability to forgive. Hannah faces this all the time. To forgive does not mean that we are dismissing or minimizing the wrong. God is a God of truth. And forgiveness flourishes in truth. So we don't arrive at forgiveness by minimizing the truth. I mean, we stood in the place, as you've already heard, May the 3rd, 2010, the very place where on May the 3rd, 1942, Hannah's parents were gassed to death. What do you want Hannah to say? Oh, it wasn't so bad. It was horrible. It was, it was demonic. It was, it was one of the most terrible cases of genocide in all of history. It was awful. How do you forgive that? You leave judgment to God. That's how you forgive. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So we acknowledge the evil that was done. And we surrender retaliation or not to retaliate to God. We surrender that to God. To retaliate is not our place. Not our place. See, here we come under the authority of our Father. And our Father has said to me, George, your role is not to retaliate for the wrong that was done to you because you're not competent to do that. The minute I leave retaliation to you, 
you're going to get all caught up in your own anger and in your own immature perceptions of things. Leave retaliation to me. I will retaliate. I am your father. Leave retaliation to me. You surrender this person who has wronged you to me. So that's forgiveness. The inability to forgive and the inability to receive forgiveness and the inability to receive forgiveness is linked with the inability to accept ourselves. We don't think that we're worthy to be forgiven. It's a wonderful thing to just receive forgiveness. <laughs> it's <laughs> forgiveness. Okay, point number three. The unhealed places within us. What happens to these unhealed places within us? We've been wounded by our own sin, by the sin that's been committed against us. The unhealed places within us, number one, block our maturing. They block our maturing. So this is where we connect immediately into apostolic ministry and every other kind of ministry. Think about it this way. Here's the human being in our different um, as facets of our life. And in this facet, I'm maturing. And in this facet, I'm maturing. And in this facet, I'm maturing. But in this facet, I'm not maturing. My maturity is blocked. And spiritual maturity or inner maturity is not a function of age. You can get people who are 20 years old. They haven't yet entered adulthood. 30 years old, they haven't yet entered adulthood. 60 years old, they haven't yet entered adulthood in some areas. They're blocked by the pain that's within them that is unresolved. They never mature in that area. You can find other people, even every now and then people in their teens that are expressing incredible maturity. They have allowed their father to heal them. So this, what we're talking about here is not just, oh, how do I get rid of my pain? What we're talking about here is how do we keep other people from being wounded by us? Because that's the awesome reality. Hurt people hurt people. And for us to enter into a leadership position with unhealed places within us sets us up to wound other people out of our own wounding. The unhealed places within us block our maturing. The unhealed places within us hinder or skew our insight. We need insight. We need insight that only can come from God. But you see, when there are unhealed places within us, we cannot hear God aright. God speaks. Know this about God. Here's the human being. God speaks, and the word of God comes in all of its purity. And it, it hits the human being, and it, <laughs> it comes out of the human being, having gone through whatever is or is not in the human being. And that's why in the process of discernment we need the body to perfect and confirm 
what God has been saying. So we are severely hindered in insight by the unhealed places within us. The unhealed places within us fuel addictions. They fuel addictions. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you. Workaholism is an addiction. Workaholism can flourish in Christian ministry. Workaholism can flourish among missionaries. Workaholism can be particularly susceptible to apostolic leaders. What does that mean? It means my affirmation need has never been met. I have been formed with an understanding that I will be affirmed for what I do. And therefore the addiction kicks in. What is an addiction? An addiction is a behavior that we take on to cover up the pain. An addiction is a behavior that we embrace for the purpose of covering up the pain. So what we do with the pain is we jam it down. I hurt, therefore I jam it down. I suppress it. Particularly we men, we're good at that. Oh, I'm fine. How you doing? Fine. When we're actually, we're bleeding inside. So we suppress the pain, but we can't suppress the pain. You can't suppress the pain. You can only heal the pain. You can't suppress it. If you suppress it, it's going to come out some other way, and it's going to come out, among other ways, in addictions. Workaholism is an addiction. I still remember at times on the Logos. The Logos was a small ship, as ocean-going ships go, 269 feet. There were three cabins on the Logos with their own bathroom. The captain's cabin, the chief engineer's cabin, and the owner's cabin. We had the owner's cabin. So we had our own bathroom. So we had a bedroom that, you know, if I stood there with my arms out, I could touch both walls and then a bathroom, and then an outer sitting room. Well, because the ship was so small and we needed more office space, we made the outer sitting room the place where all the people coming to the ship to arrange programs would come. So that was always a madhouse out there, right outside Hannah's bedroom door. And then you had to go through our bedroom to get into the uh, bathroom, of course, and we made the bathroom my office. Ah, this is wisdom. Oh, wisdom, wisdom. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. And um, so, you know, we took the shower out because we had to put the desk in. So the shower came out. But we left the toilet in. So, because all kind of people, of course, had to come and see me. So we, we got the carpenter to build a wooden box over the toilet that of course would lift up but if you came in you didn't know it was a toilet except on a ship there are two water systems one water system is for drinking water and one water system is for all the uses of water that don't, don't need to be drinking you know salt you use salt water and of course part of that is the flushing of the toilet so the flushing of the toilets is salt water 
And it, with the toilet, there was an arm, like, you know, and you pushed it down and it flushed and then went up that way. So that arm was still there. So people, people would come in to see me and sit on the box. And every now and then, you know, they would just lean on, the, <laughs> lean on that arm. And they, you know, you could see them. They could hear something, the water going. <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> oh, my, that was wise. <laughs> Hannah came to me one time and she said, George, when are you going to take a day off? I said, day off. What do you mean, day off? It's a day off. You know, the world's going to hell. Jesus has come, died on the cross, rose again to evangelize the world. Day off. Who wants to do things? A day off. She said to me, you know, you sit there and you start off 90% efficient, and then 80% effective, and then 70% effective, and you get to the point where you're about 10% effective because you don't have any time off. I was functioning in a significant degree of addiction. It was pure and simple workaholism. And of course, I cased it in spiritual language. Evangelizing the world, doing the work of God. It was actually an addiction. I needed healing. Now, I don't want to, I just want to say one other thing on this because, you know, we could talk about this a long time. But I, I, I just, to share my concern, there was a national leader a few years ago in this country who was known, known internationally, but he had a national very high national leadership position. Access to the White House. He, of course, as a good Christian, was against homosexuality. And then, of course, it was revealed that he had actually been in homosexual relationships. And in telling his story, he said something like this. You know, I've had it all. I've been born again. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've spoken in tongues. He went on through all the things he had. But he said the whole time within me, there was something that was very dark. Something that now, I'm telling you that story without the name, because the important thing is not the name. The important thing is that issue is far more widespread than, well, probably we do know, sitting in a circle, something about how often that kind of thing happens, that kind of thing. That addiction comes from an unhealed place. And it leads us. This kind of thing is so prevalent that it leads to this kind of theology that says, oh well, we're all sinners after all. 
And so, you know, we're all weak, we're all human, we're all frail, we're all imperfect. And so it's unrealistic to think that somehow there's a way of victory, fullness, healing, maturity. And I just want us to know that the promise of Jesus and the promise of the apostles is there is a spiritual life with Jesus that transforms the person, including healing the wounds that are within us and freeing us from these addictions and these other consequences of the unhealed places within us. One final um, consequence of unhealed unhealed places within us, we wound other people. Again, wounded people wound people. Now, how are we healed? What is the process of healing? First of all, we practice the presence of God. We practice the presence of God. You know, I love these songs that we've been singing. I love them. I just love the worship that we had right now, some time ago. And I, I, I just want to point something out to you here, and, I, and I'm... I, 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 I agree with the words of these songs. I'm not in any way um, having any problem with the words of the song. But I just wonder what's in our understanding. I am weary, but I know your touch restores my life. Now, it's true that his touch restores our life. What is in our minds when we read those words, when we sing those words? What understanding is in our minds? So let me ask you this. Is the understanding in our minds that somehow in some worship meeting or some other place, God is going to touch us and all of a sudden all these wounds are going to be healed and we're going to be delivered from all of our um, addictions and everything? Is that our understanding, that this is going to take place instant? Is that our understanding? Because if it is our understanding, we have a wrong understanding. We have not understood that God is a God of incarnation. And the Holy Spirit will not do this to us. And he will not do it for us. He will do it with us. And as a dear friend of mine used to always say, I loved it whenever he said this, any crisis that is not followed by a process will produce an abscess. And so in what sense does your touch restore my life? In this sense that you touch me regularly every day, that I learn to live in your presence. It is a return to the Father. The Christian life, among other things, is about returning to the Father. We come back to the Father. We come to the point where we say, Father, I have done the most ridiculously stupid, sinful thing imaginable. I have gone away from you. I have been wounded. My life has been wrecked because I went away from you. Father, I want to come back. 
How do I come back? And the father says, I have already sought you and I have already given the way to come back and the way to come back is Jesus. He is the way. Come back to me through Jesus. And so through Jesus, what do we do? We learn to live again in the presence of God and it's in the presence of God that we are healed. So brothers and sisters, apostolic leaders, here is the question. Do you know how to be with God? Or do all we know is how to be with other Christians? We have, you tell me how many Christians who know how to be with other Christians, but they don't know how to be with God. Now, if we don't know how to be with God, nothing else works. Everything else we've talked about with apostolic ministry, take it all and throw it in the garbage if we don't know how to be with God. There is no apostolic ministry if we don't know how to be with God. We have to know how to be with God and how to live in his presence moment by moment, moment by moment, moment by moment, moment by moment. Now, that is a process. Is the Holy Spirit involved? You better believe it. It, The Holy Spirit does it. But we have to know the process of our part. It's a process of obedience. It's a process of picking up the cross and following him. It's a process of learning moment by moment to pursue his presence, to live in his presence. So how are we healed? We return to the presence. That's a process. Because the place where we are healed is the presence. Secondly, the second point of healing, we bring our sin and pain to the cross. We bring our sin and pain to the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he established a place. Sometimes I think about it as a website. He established a website. It's the only website in the whole world where we can go with that sin. And at that cross, there is no sin, there is no sin, there is no sin that cannot be redeemed. And this brother about whom we spoke just a few minutes ago, in one way he's all of us, his sin can be redeemed. He can be healed. But that sin has to go to the cross. Mm-hmm. Now how do we take it to the cross? I don't I don't want to make this long. Here's how I do it. We picture in our mind Jesus hanging on the cross. I do this every day. I need to do this every day. It's part of my daily prayer. And I come to Jesus with the sin that I'm aware of. Lord Jesus, I bring my vanity to your cross. Lord Jesus, I bring the addiction that is within me to the praise of other men to your cross. Lord Jesus, I bring my anger to your cross. Lord Jesus, I bring my selfishness to your cross. Whatever the sin is that the Lord is showing us, we bring this to his cross and we look to see what does he do. And we will see, I believe, we will see Jesus reach down and take that sin. And if we don't see Jesus reach down and take that sin, maybe we better go back. In other words, are we truly repenting? Are we truly bringing that sin to the cross? And then I like to pray this. I, I, I've gotten in the last month or so to praying this prayer. I, I pray, Lord, I bring my sin to your cross. Lord, have mercy. 
Lord, forgive, and then I pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, based on the efficacy of the cross, I pray that you will cleanse my heart of this sin. I pray that you will heal me of the sin that gave rise, of, of, of the pain that energized this sin and the pain that this sin has caused. I pray that you will heal me and I pray that you will transform me. We learn to bring our sin to the cross. We listen for the healing word that God is speaking. Now, some of you have heard me tell this story before, but I, I got to tell it again. Hannah and I, you know, we go to this monastery. We love this place, high desert of Arizona. One afternoon, I took my chair out and I sat under the tree. I just wanted to be with God this afternoon, so I just sat in the chair and looked out on the desert. Spent the afternoon with my father. And at the end of the afternoon, I thought, has God said anything to me? I got all these questions about Antioch Network. Lord, what about Antioch Network? And I became aware that this is what my father had said to me. George, look at the desert. The desert has been here a long time. George, I was here before the desert was here. George, the desert's going to be here a long time after you're gone. I'm going to be here longer than the desert. George, I've got time. And George... I want to be with you. I will talk to you about Antioch Network. I got plenty. I, I, I got. I got a lot to say to you about that, and I'll talk to you about that. But not now. I just want to be with you. And I went back into the room I had, and I was staying. I just thought, the God who spoke, and the worlds came into being, loves me and wants to be with me. Boy, when we hear God say that to us, that's healing. The healing goes all the way down to the depths of our being. And of course, guess what? God loves you and wants to be with you. We listen. We listen for the word that he is speaking. We need insight. How are you wounded? You're probably saying, you know, George, I don't even know Listen, he will tell you. I can't tell you. He can tell you. Brothers and sisters, there are things that you and I need to hear that we cannot hear from another human being. We just can't hear it. It's too personal. But we can hear it from our Father. And when he speaks, the result is insight. And healing. And then the last thing, we obey. We listen for the healing word that he is speaking and we obey. Now, 
you're all ready for this, so I gotta just say a word about solitude. Solitude is the gateway into healing, insight, and wholeness. Solitude. You say, George, how do I get insight? Let me tell you how. You go into solitude. The biblical heritage on this is so extensive. What did God do with Moses? Into the desert. What did God do with David? Into the pasture lands. What did God do with Elijah? Into the desert. What did God do with John the Baptist? I've just been reading through Luke again, you know, the Christmas season, the Advent season. John the Baptist. God sent him into quietness. And Amy gave the most fantastic teaching on Mary at the retreat last July. I wish you all could get the tape on that. She had the most, I mean, when Amy finished teaching, I was sitting on the floor in a puddle of tears. And she talked about Mary. And she talked about Mary's relationship with Jesus. What did it mean that Mary kept these things in her heart? And you know, Mary watched Jesus grow up and she knew who he was. And she's wondering, when is he going to reveal when is he going to make it known? And he doesn't make it known. And he becomes 21. He doesn't make it known. He gets to be 22. He doesn't make it known. He gets to be 23. He doesn't make it known. He gets to be 24. He's working in the carpenter shop. Nobody knows who he is. Mary knows who he is. She's waiting. When is he going to make himself known? Jesus was formed for 30 years in quietness in the quiet place. John the Baptist was formed in the quiet place. Elijah was formed in the quiet place. The desert fathers and mothers were formed in the quiet place. The apostle John was formed in the quiet place. Paul was formed, you know, for how many years in the quiet place. Brothers and sisters, get to love solitude. The busyness all around us is an addiction. It is an addiction. Learn to be quiet. And you'll be amazed at what you'll hear from God. Okay, final point. Why is all this so important for apostolic leaders? Apostolic leaders must have deep understanding of the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel that Jesus brought and proclaimed is so much more than the gospel of how to get to heaven when we die. Praise God, it includes that, how to get to heaven when you die. But the gospel of the kingdom is so much more. It's the gospel or the good news of how we are restored to wholeness. Included in that gospel is healing. So healing, the foundation for healing is apprenticeship to Jesus. We cannot obey the things that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount without a deep level of inner healing. Being with Jesus heals us. Learning from Jesus heals us. Obeying Jesus heals us. It's a process. It has its failures, but it's a process that produces Whole people, restored people, healed people. If we don't know that, 
We will, what is the gospel we are taking? And the gospel of how to get to heaven when you die is an inadequate gospel. It's not a false gospel. It's an inadequate gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus saves us from our sin, delivers us from our sin and all of its consequences. Apostolic leaders must understand the process of their own being brought to wholeness. What is the process that brings us to wholeness? And then we must be able to shepherd others in that process. So here we get back to developing young apostolically gifted leaders. You know, everything that we could say about, you know, you identify them and then release them into an area, you know, and then you increase the area and all these things. All of, none of that is helpful unless we know how to shepherd younger leaders into their own process of becoming whole. Whole. A great harvest is coming. A great harvest is coming. A great harvest is coming. When that harvest comes, who will bring that harvest to maturity? It will be those who themselves know the process of coming to maturity or wholeness in Christ. And if we don't know that, well, that is such a crucial part of the process of releasing apostolically gifted leaders. Let's pray together. I don't know... As we, as we bring this to the close, I, I don't know, of course, what the Holy Spirit has been doing. But I think we should give a moment Has the Lord been speaking to you? Have there been areas that have been highlighted? Are you aware of an area of healing that you need? I want to invite you to just in your, in your mind picture Jesus hanging on the cross. He's hanging there for you and for the sin that has wounded you whether it's your sin or the sin of someone else that's been committed against you.
And I want to invite you to take the sin or the pain that you're aware of. And in your own mind, picture yourself walking toward Jesus and lifting that sin and all that pain up to him. And saying to him, Lord Jesus, would you please take my sin? Would you please take my pain? And would you speak the word of healing to me? Lord Jesus, we come to you as those who are broken. We have been wounded by our own sin, Lord, and we have also wounded other people. And we have been wounded by other people. Lord Jesus, we come to you And we place our total confidence in you. Lord, forgive us where forgiveness is needed. <coughs> Heal us where healing is needed. Give insight where insight is needed. Raise up in our day men and women who walk in full maturity in you. Lord, we want to be among their number. Teach us your way. Seal these words to our heart, O Spirit of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.